Okay, so uh, hold on. Before we get before you get into your analysis, are you more angry more, because I, I'm not you, angry? Hold on. I'm, okay, are you more upset or disappointed okay. or whatever adjective you want to put in there? I'm amused and annoyed Same because thing. because they lost and you felt they this was a chance they could have won, or because you lost money on a bet. Yes, the answer is yes. You are listening to episode 15 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they likely know nothing about for an indeterminate timeline with a hastily thrown together format. This week brought to us by Underachievement, not only valid for my academic and professional careers, but also the Houston Rockets, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit. I'm Carlos Hockazar, and with me as always is Dave Turnbull. You yeah, just had to get a dig on my Houston Rockets to win the NBA championship pick, didn't you? Hey, listen, I put 50 bucks on it. I lost more than you did. That's true. Yeah. It was a long shot bet, but nonetheless, it, 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 it's unfortunate. It hurt my feelings. And frankly, it does bring up that they really do define underachievement. Fact. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. So in addition to that, we're also going to give some thoughts on the final four of the NHL playoffs, which have now been established Chaos and anarchy in this particular season have happened, and now we have to figure out where we go from here. And then, of course, a little bit on the NBA playoffs, including the aforementioned Houston Rockets. And, of course, we're going to have the return, the triumphant return, of the pretentious cross-country running report. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the XFL getting a new TV deal. On paper, very interesting. Something that I brought up on previous videos and also in last week's podcast, you know, kind of my little solo cast as a makeup for all of you. But... There is a little bit more on it, not fundamentally changing, but it does change the dynamic a little bit, and I do want to bring that up as well. Let's begin with the Final Four in the NHL playoffs. Right now we're talking about, I'm going to start off with the East and we'll go to the West. We've got everybody's beloved, our national heroes, the Carolina Hurricanes and their beloved owner. Ooh. Yes. They really Uh, are a bunch of jerks. Yeah, pretty much. So the thing is, you know, Carolina Hurricanes are there, just the same, uh, against the Boston Bruins who have... uh, Also boo. Yeah. So... In, really, in the East, no one wins. There are no winners here. That's the Eastern Conference matchup for the Conference Finals. And then in the West, we've got our champions, question mark. Uh, the San Jose Sharks uh, with old Joe Thornton taking on the St. Louis Blues. Let's talk about the East, and then I'll come back to the West. The Carolina-Boston really comes down to Boston should win this series. For no other reason than experience, they really do know, you know, they do know what they're doing. They've won more recently. This Carolina Hurricanes team has absolutely nothing to do other than Rod Brendan Moore being involved behind the bench, has nothing to do with the original uh, Carolina Hurricanes Stanley Cup team. These guys are far removed from it. But at the same time, I will say that one thing they've got going on their side is they really are on host money. Like, they've got nothing to lose as far as that is concerned. Boston really has got nothing to lose either. I don't think anybody really expected them necessarily to be in the Eastern Conference Final. They're a good team. They've got a lot of good players on them. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a given for anybody. There's really not a lot of deep analysis I can do on it. We can go player-by-player matchups, but it's not... That's not really what we do for that kind of thing. And I just see Boston just from an experience standpoint. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Boston should win the series. Again, the Open Award being should. This is, you know, despite my forever vendetta against Tom Dunn and everything he does for the rest of his life because he killed the AAF, I'm putting it out there. I have an extreme bias against anything Tom Dunn related for the rest of my life. So, therefore, I will hate Carolina forever. The problem is, as a Habs fan, I also really hate Boston. Like, really, really hate Boston and Brad Marchand, who is actually a good player, but he's a freaking clown. But he is a jerk. He's a huge jerk. Yeah. He actually should be playing for the bunch of jerks. You know, him wearing that t-shirt would be very meta. I will say that I will say that it is very interesting as far as Brad Marchand is concerned. It is fascinating to me, exceedingly fascinating, that the NHL, for all its babbling about, oh, player safety, blah, 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 
like some of the stuff he does is really obvious and we catch it on tape and it's like how has this man not been suspended in these playoffs already like he, he's given them plenty of material it's not that he's not a good player let's be clear because I think I'm doing this off the top of my head I think in the regular season he had 100 points so it's not like he's not a skilled no, he hockey is, player. No, he is a skilled he, hockey player. But it, he resorts to goonery, which I don't mind, but I feel like goonery should be reserved for the Tidomis of the world. You're not actually that good at hockey. So then you resort to goonery. Yeah, I just, you know what, I, the thing is, someone just needs to, he just needs to get jumped. Like, people need to just take him out. Yeah. But the problem is, like, with the with the big one was in the in the last series against Columbus when he punched the guy in the back of the head and skated away. Yeah. When the game was already in hand, it meant nothing. Yeah. And then he didn't get punished for it. Yeah, the thing is he can't help himself, but the NHL is the one who's condoning this by... To be honest with you, as, as a principle of the thing, I would have suspended for no other reason than, like, this was pointless. It wasn't in a scrum, you weren't in the middle of a fight, it wasn't... It was, the, the person had their back to you. you and it was clear on TV. It wasn't, yeah. you know, there wasn't one of those angles where you're like, ah, I'm not really sure. Yeah. It was very obvious. It wasn't a bang-bang thing where you're trying to figure out, oh, maybe it is, maybe it's not. No, it, it definitely was. It was 100%. So that's fair. That's the other thing I wanted to bring up about Carolina is something that I found interesting. Not necessarily related to whether or not they're going to win this series, but I didn't know if you know this. There's actually still, okay, 22 years removed, there's a Harler, uh sorry, <clears throat> what's the word? No, I can't remember the thing. Hartford. Hartford Whalers Booster Club still. I believe it. And they I... get together and they watch Carolina Hurricanes games. I don't think they, I don't think they ever really gave up. I'm not too surprised, though, if you think about it. Like, let's put it this way. I don't have the perspective to be able to tell you right off the top of my head. But it wouldn't surprise me if not all Brooklyn Dodgers fans gave up on the Dodgers after they moved to L.A. And that's been a really long time. So if you're in the older Brooklyn Dodger fans, maybe they're still Dodgers fans. Obviously, it hurts because it, they would prefer that they were in Hartford. They would For prefer sure. that they were still the Whalers because they had their own legacy. But it's still the team. No, absolutely. It's it's just kind of weird thing. Like I I feel this is a, is a particularly interesting match from that angle because of the New England rivalry, like the 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 old Hartford Boston rivalry, where basically they still hate Boston and they the the hatred against towards Boston has not gone away in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I just think it's weird to you know that that support for the team that's changed its name and changed its identity. At least the Dodgers are still the Dodgers. Right. Whereas if you look at, say, the Montreal Expos, who moved to Washington and became the Nationals, they do have like retired players up. So they have Gary Carter. Yeah. You know, I can't remember who else they have. I, I, that's the only one they I know Dawson. for sure. Yeah, probably they have da- Andre Dawson that as would well. Make sense, uh, and the Expos logo. Sure. Right. And you can buy uh, Washington Nationals merchandise that says, you know, got the, the curly W on it mm-hmm. since 1969. Right. Right. But their identity and who they are has totally changed from where it was in Montreal. Whereas I think the Dodgers are kind of the same. But Carolina has also, you know, changed that identity. And, and, and obviously it's it's 22 years. So I don't know. It just strikes me as kind of odd. But as we said, like, I kind of like like the old school teams. And I like that that rivalry that was there. And I like that feeling. But I still hate Carolina. And I still hate Boston. So here's our transition to the West. Whoever's in the West comes out of it. I don't care. I want you to win. And I want you to win in four. Nice. Nice. I don't have a uh, I don't have a hatred of St. Louis, but I want to make something clear. I watched that game seven, and when they went to double overtime, I was hold on. Can we can we remind the people that they beat Carlos's Dallas Stars? Yes. We, we need to let the people know that. Yes, yes. So the thing is, I wasn't angry to be honest with you. I thought about it. I, t- I, I joked uh, on the message that I said if Kazoo had been around, I would have thrown a can. But no, the truth is I wouldn't have because I didn't expect them to win. I predicted against them against Nashville. I predicted and uh, the likelihood of them beating St. Louis. I thought they could. But I wasn't 
My problem with them was what it was actually perfectly played out in that overtime game. Ben Bishop stood on his head and got 52 saves on 54 shots. Okay, he was fantastic. Yes. The problem is it took till double overtime for Dallas to get to 30 shots, period. That sucks. That literally is... Forget about scoring. How about just generating attempts? How about just putting shot pucks on net? It was it was a pathetic effort, and it was uh, it was completely inexcusable. And I, and you saw it coming uh, the way the game was playing out because I'm looking and I'm seeing the shot total for St. Louis balloon. It's just going 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 through the through regulation into overtime. The entire game is being played on the Dallas side of the ice. The the ice is tilted completely in one direction. So when Dallas would go, they'd get to the other side and they wouldn't even get a shot off, and then the puck would come back the other way. Well, you're not going to win that way. No. You, you actually have to put the puck on the net to even have a chance. And unfortunately, it's it's one of the great what-ifs for this particular game. In overtime, um, I think it was Jamie Benn. I think he had a shot. I think he had the ability on a wraparound, and he actually was almost able to curl it in. But he wasn't able to curl it enough to actually get it in the net. He just missed. And it's that would have been, been enough. That would have been the, the game winner in Game 7. But the problem is you can't get to Game 7. The truth is when they lost Game 6, you were a 50-50 coin toss at best. Ben Bishop did everything he could, so I was very impressed with that effort. I just don't know what they do going forward because Jimmy Ben... Hold on to to Ben Bishop. Yeah, Ben Bishop for sure. But at the same time, this is the exact opposite of the last uh, Dallas team that made a deep run because I think they went to the Western Conference Finals, and it was the opposite. I had plenty of offense, but I couldn't trust my goaltending to save my life. I knew they would give up a goal. It didn't matter what happened. They would give up the tying goal or the winning goal or whatever. Now I have kind of the opposite. I have a goaltender who can stop pucks tremendously well. I just have to look around the room and say, who's going to score for me? Who's going to score for me when I need it? Where's my Tyler Sagan? He's being paid a lot of money. Where's Jamie Benn? He's being paid a lot of money. It's overtime. Usually it's those uh, third or fourth liners who randomly go and become heroes. Not Nobody came close. Yeah, it just proves to you so much more how fine the line is in the playoffs between winning and losing. Very much so. And the truth is, they were fairly even. They got to Game 7. They were fairly evenly matched, the two teams. St. Louis is good. Um, They're not spectacular, but at the same time, they're solid. So they're going to be playing San Jose, who uh, played well. And they played well against the young upstart Colorado team, who showed very well. Like, I was very impressed with Colorado's performance. Again, not expected. Uh, I think they were the other wildcard team. So the truth yeah, is they the, were. Two, the two wildcard teams performed very well. They were both within a game of getting to the conference finals. That's nothing to sneeze at. Very well done for both teams. Uh, San Jose, like we said, was really they are very much still the last hurrah team because we really don't know what's going to happen with them going forward. Joe Thorne is 40. He's not getting younger. This is his, uh, his big shot. He's got a big Santa Claus beard going on. But if he's going to win a cup, this is as good an opportunity as there ever has been. Absolutely. Consider when you look at who's left. I think the two. I think the two teams are fairly evenly matched. All things considered, I don't think San Jose is dominant. I don't think San Jose, uh, St. Louis is dominant. Um, either of either of them could come out of the West. I bet. I bet this is my look. So again, I, I'm now predicting something. Therefore, I'm going to be wrong. Correct. I'm predicting that. Okay, I'm going to go with this. I'm going to say Boston is going to win in six in the East, and the West is going to go down to seven games. And St. Louis is going to pull it out in seven. Very possible. I was uh, I was very impressed with uh, their overall performance. St. Louis showed me a lot. Uh, San Jose showed me something in bursts. It just seemed that like there were times where Colorado seemed to have control. Uh, they just weren't able to sustain it to mm-hmm. enough to close out the series. But they showed a lot of very good. I, I have no problem with any of these teams uh, really. Uh, I, I'd rather not see Carolina, Boston. I'm just not interested in more Boston. 
Like, it, to me, it's more ambivalence. I don't have the... And as far as the West is concerned, I don't hate either one of these teams. My, my team had to play both of these teams back in the day when they were when they were better. And I don't have any ill will towards either, but I'm also not in love with either. Fair enough. So regardless, you know, it'll be a fresh... I think it'll be made, I think it'll be a fresh matchup in the finals regardless. I would say, look at the bright side, okay? And this, if there is a bright side in the East. Okay? Even if Boston goes on and wins the Stanley Cup, you can thank the Boston Celtics. Do you know why, Carlos? Why would I thank the Boston Celtics? Because they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks. So they're eliminated, preventing the Grand Slam of Boston in championships. Currently, your Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Currently, your MLB champion, Boston Red Sox. I like how you didn't just say World Series. Whatever. <laughs> go, go on. Right? right? Your potential Stanley Cup champion, Boston Bruins. Yeah. But there will not be a Boston championship in the NBA. Because they got beaten by the Bucks, so thank them for that. So there is no Boston Championship Grand Slam. I will. I, your concept is good. I will thank Giannis for that. That the, those guys are good. So we're, we'll uh, we'll talk about the NBA here in a second. Actually, you know what? I think I think it's a good time. I think it's a good segue. Let's get into the NBA. Let's talk about it first. I want to talk about the Houston Rockets because holy damn. Okay, so <laughs> are you surprised? No, I'm not. But but let, like let's make this clear. Holy damn. Okay, so uh, hold on. Before we get before you get into your analysis, are you more angry because... I, I, I'm not you, angry. Hold on. I'm, okay. Are you more upset or disappointed okay. or whatever adjective you want to put in there? I'm amused and annoyed. So because thinking. because they lost and you felt they, this was a chance they could have won or because you lost money on a bet? Yes. The answer is yes. But also, let me throw in a third component to this. Okay, right. so let, let's go back to this underachievement thing. I joked about the whole thing where I underachieve academically and, you know, and professionally. And the truth is, yes. But the only way you can underachieve, and here's the key, and maybe this is the key point here. Underachievement only takes effect if you fall short of where you could be based on your ability. And in order for that to matter, you have to have talent. If you have no talent, you cannot possibly underachieve. Because if you suck and you actually suck, well, then you are what you are. Yes, absolutely. If you are supremely talented and your ceiling is super high and you fall short, that's underachievement. That's where, you know, people go, that's a shame, you know, that's sad, whatever. The thing is, when we're talking about the Houston Rockets, they built this team with the idea of competing with the Golden State Warriors. And let's be, let's be, let's face facts here. They have competed. Last year, they had a very good chance of winning that had Chris Paul not gotten down with injury. That was just luck on the Golden State Warriors part. But let me like paint the picture because, uh, you know, let's let's think our way through this for a second. So Golden State and Houston are facing off in the second round because of the way the seeding ended up working out this year. So they got them a little bit earlier. Well, Chris Paul is healthy. And you've got James Harden, who is, uh, you know, an MVP candidate this year, if not the likely MVP at the end. We'll see how that works out. He had a historic season as far as, you know, overall scoring. He, he Like, he, had, he went on a run you know, down the stretch to really, like, put himself into that position and likely win the MVP, if not Giannis or somebody else. All those components look good. They got him in the second round, so they hadn't already been brown beaten down by multiple rounds in the playoffs. That's all playing into your favor. The Warriors are trying to do a three-peat. They've played a lot of playoff basketball. They've got a lot of miles on that car. You know, the, there's a lot of tread on those tires. So the reality is... Trying to win the third one's really hard. And the more times you go deep in the playoffs, the more you get worn down as a team physically and mentally. And then you've got Kade, the questions about KD, the little dissensions throughout the course of the season. The Golden State Warriors were not a solid, cohesive unit from front to end. They've lost some games where in past seasons they would not have at home and you know getting blown out. 
they were they were still clearly the prohibitive favorite, and they had all the components. But you you had questions. All true. You yes. All, you had low. You know, even though the ship is still sailing along, you have cracks in the hull. You know, micro cracks, not gigantic ones, but micro cracks. You could see all the way through. So now coming into the series, Golden State gets off and they're up two games to nothing. So it looks like Houston's at dead to rights. But then Houston rallies back. So now going into game five. So going into game five, you've got a little bit of momentum going on. You're, you've started to kind of put the pieces back together. In the third quarter of game five, I think with about five minutes left, Kevin Durant pulls up lane. So all of a sudden, Kevin Durant is out for an indeterminate timeline. You know, let's throw it back to the, to the headline here. But the thing is that now Kevin Durant's out. So you've got one less thing to worry. You, you don't have to worry about a seven-foot-tall guy who can hit three-point shots and go and attack the basket anytime he wants to. Correct. Advantage Houston? I think. We would think so, yeah. yeah. So in theory, game five should have been for the taking, and it was. They were down, and they came back, and they had a real chance to win game five. And when they did win game five, it was like, what more do we have to do? They spent the first chunk of the series complaining about the referees when you shouldn't have been complaining about the referees. You should have been focusing on trying to win games in the first part of the series. And then once you finally started locking in and focusing on that, because the referees, all they really did was just not call a bunch of flopping that, you know, James Harden sets himself up for. You know, he's a very dramatic man. Now, there were real fouls through the course of the series. Obviously, James Harden had his thing with his eye, and Draymond was getting away with some craziness. But the point is that that happens. It's the playoffs. If they're going to be physical and the referees are allowing you both to be physical, then be physical. And you always know the thing in the play that they always let more go in the playoffs. Correct. So now, going into game six, I think personally, that that freed up Clay Thompson and Steph Curry to do their thing. But let me continue to paint the picture. Now we're in game six. If I told you nothing else, and I said to you, in the first half of game six, with the way this series is played out, Steph Curry will have zero points and will be on, on the bench for a good chunk of the first half with foul trouble. What do you think? I'm thinking Houston is up by a lot. Well, they're tied. That right there is like a microcosm of the problem. It's like, so right now, technically... Through the latter half of the first, sorry, through the fir- through the end of the first half in game six, you have no Kevin Durant and technically no Steph Curry. Not because he's hurt, but because he's on the bench. Yeah. Because right now he's got a little foul trouble and he hasn't scored a single point. Second half, Steph Curry 33 points. He goes off. Now all of a sudden you're in trouble because you did not capitalize. and You, they, you had them down. You had micro cracks all over the hole and you had a couple of real cracks in the hole and you still couldn't beat them with a full squad. Yeah. So it's like, now what? Now what's your excuse, Houston? Like, I don't know what more to... What, what do you want us to do with you? you know? Exactly. Like, you want to tie one hand behind their back? You know, because clearly they own you. Because at this point, like, you've had so many opportunities. And this was the best one. You had them with a lot of miles on. You had, you know, they were down a couple of the big players for chunks of the latter portion of the series. And you still couldn't beat them. Now the question is, can you ever beat them? Uh, I'm not going to say never because anything can happen, but you're probably going to beat a different version of them. You're not going to beat this version because you didn't. Because if Kevin Durant's gone, well, then that's just a different version of the team anyway. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to do something else, which is fine. But you've basically proven during this entire thing, you got to be... uh, You basically got to be the Brooklyn Dodgers to the New York Yankees through the 1950s without ever getting that one win. Yeah. At least the Brooklyn Dodgers can hang their hat on and say... 1955, we won that one World Series. Yep. And, and they can yeah, never take it away from you. Exactly, right? And, and even then you go, you know, maybe that in the in the moment, you're still disappointed. But I think in the long run, you're like, hey, we won something. Like you, you have that. You can hang your hat on that. Yep. You can say you're an NBA champion in yep. this game, right? But Houston can't yep. because they chronically underachieve. 
Yeah, and this is uh, and this one is going to be a tough one to come back from because reality is that I don't know what else you can do at this point. You can't. You've got theoretically an MVP caliber player. You have you know, and Chris Paul player who is starting to diminish in skill and talent, but was still good, and it still should have been more than good enough to give you what you needed. Yeah. Now, can I can I make a link? I'm, we know we're going to go somewhere else later, yeah. but can I make a link to pretentious cross country running right now about this? Okay, go ahead. Okay, so the, my point is that I'm that I'm going to make is that you never know, right? So when you have an opportunity, if you don't seize it, who knows when it's going to come around again? Because you don't know how other teams are going to change. Are you saying they thought they are what we thought they were, and we let them off the hook? Yes. Go on. Exactly. That is another way of saying it. So a few. I can't remember what year this was. I wish I could. So you were at a point where. All the teams were sort of in flux, right? The other team. So this is Arsenal. So we got Arsenal, who is in a good position to win the league. The other teams are in flux. Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, that have been competing for the league up to this point, were in flux. Mm-hmm. So you like their chances. Uh, and they were there. They ended up finishing second. Yep. I think they were off by at least 10 points. You know who won the league that year? Leicester. You I, know have how no, cl- I have no idea where that is. Exactly. That's my point. Leicester is a person. Okay. No. Leicester, I think, sweeps floors for me. Go well, on. that could also be true. But you, you get my point, right? Yep. Has Leicester come close since or in the pre- the preceding years? No. Nowhere near close to winning mm-hmm. the league. But they did that one year because they had an opportunity because everything else was in flux and they took it. Other teams could have too. Arsenal, Tottenham, and they choked. Mm-hmm. Right? So you take that to the NBA. You know Golden State's in, in kind of flux. Right, mm-hmm. so maybe next year, but they, you know, they didn't take the chance this year. But maybe next year, you're thinking, okay, Houston, well, you know what, Golden State's got another year of more playoff games. Maybe they make the NBA final this year again. Even if they win, they've still got that, you know, that wear and tear on their bodies. But who's to say, you know, Portland isn't better next year, or Denver isn't better next year? Well, I'm, I'm right. Thinking, I'm thinking that, or I'm thinking a team out of the East, because because if the, you know, right now we'll, we'll talk about it more later on. Like a, we're not. Heavy into the NBA. Let's be fair and let's be clear. No, this is true. But we do observe, you know, and I try to watch, especially when we get to the playoffs and all that. But one of the things that's going to be in the offseason that we all, that the talking heads have talked about endlessly already. Where's Kevin Durant going to go? Is he going to go to a different team? Is he going to join up with Kyrie in New York? Blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, if he does, now New York, the New York Knicks are dysfunctional. They're not... Los and Angeles have, Lakers dysfunctional. And have been for quite some time. Yeah, but they're not. But I think they've been surpassed by the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, their, you're probably their right. Recent ineptitude, or at is least really it, yes. high, high level. At least recently, but but it's like, you know, you you see the New York Knicks, and you're like, there's no team that can be this inept, right? And the Lakers are now like, hold my beer. I think if you go to the the suites, they're like, hold my Chardonnay. You know, they they they, they will not settle for that swill. <laughs> they will, uh, you know, hold my Chardonnay, hold my uh, hold my eighteen year old whiskey. Could you just hold that for a second? But it, it's it's obscene. So we talked about uh, the Houston uh, Golden State series. The Raptors, I believe, are playing Game Seven. Yes, yes, they've gone to Game Seven because apparently another case of nobody really wants to win more than one game in a row in this series. Never. So they were just. Horrible. So I'll tell you this. I was having a conversation about the Raptors at work, which I typically do. Right? We talk about Raptors a lot, especially since they're the only Toronto team of no really doing anything right now. And that's worth paying attention to. But, but the Jays are losing. Yes. That, that's the thing. And they have they're Vladimir losing. Guerrero, who isn't hitting, who's batting 146. Whoop-de-doo. Point is, the Raptors are the only worth team worth paying attention to. And, you know, the conversation, although this is somewhat oversimplified, it is true. If they make their shots, they're probably going to win this game. By a lot. If they don't, 
they're probably going to lose. Okay? I watched less than five minutes of that game and was like, this is going one way and one way only. And I turned it off and I didn't pay attention to it again. And lo and behold, what happened? Philadelphia won. Why? Because Toronto didn't make their shots. Yeah. Well, and think, apparently didn't really want to play defense that well either. Well, I think the problem with the, the Raptors uh, the, in the series that I watched, so I paid a lot of very close attention to the Golden State-Houston series. I hope you kind of get the idea. Even as not a basketball guy, I was watching that one because from a storyline standpoint, the, the, the storyline there was compelling. I was fascinated about what would happen with Golden State trying for that three-peat. And obviously this, the story continues. We're, we're going to see how that goes. But as far as the other series are concerned, Portland and Denver, I watched a little bit of it. I'm going to watch a little bit on Sunday because I'm interested in see what happens with that. But of course, Philadelphia Toronto, I think it really comes down to, uh, obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, but it feels very much like if Joel Embiid is playing well, then you know that the Sixers are really going to be playing well. If Ben Simmons can get anything done, then they're rolling along. Because Toronto just, it's basically Kawhi Leonard and a bunch of other dudes. And, uh, you know, Siakam... Plays played very well. I was very. I've been impressed in stretches. But here's the problem. Okay, if you look at, if you look at the Toronto Raptors roster. Okay, so you look at people like Kyle Lowry, Mm -hmm. Marcus All. You mentioned Siakam. They have Serge Ibaka. It shouldn't be Kawhi and a bunch of other dudes. Yeah, but But it is performing like a bunch of other dudes, and that's the problem. Yeah, Are, are you saying back to underachievement? I well, I'm not. I'm not ready to say that yet. If they win. No, but the question is, though, are they achieving... So let's let's pose it a different way. Okay. Are they achieving accordingly to what on paper... Because, as you said, no. they are not a bunch of other dudes, but they have not performed as more than a bunch of other dudes no. with consistency. No, they haven't, right? Because if you don't... It, at, like, personally, this is my personal opinion, but if they don't at least go to the NBA Finals... Now, I know Milwaukee's really good, mm-hmm. right? And if they get to... I still think if the Raptors get out of this series, they will lose to Milwaukee. The way that Milwaukee's playing this year, probably yes. But I feel, based on the moves they made and when they traded away DeMar DeRozan, they got Kawhi Leonard, and they knew he was only going to be there for a year. I mean, it's possible he resigns. They can give him a bunch of money. But who knows? This is a failure. This is underachievement. And the minimum that success is making the NBA final. At the minimum. Anything else is a failure. For this season, probably yes, because LeBron had been their kryptonite, and he's not there. He's out on vacation, so they can't use LeBron as the excuse. He's not the boogeyman right now. Uh, it's not him. Let me throw a different angle on that. For, to, to your point, that's fair. But I, I was chuckling because I listen to I listen to a lot of different podcasts on a variety of topics because I, I like getting... Sometimes I'm just interested in random topics because they interest me. One, one that I like listening to is... I like listening occasionally to a couple of sneaker podcasts because they make me laugh. All right. Not because I care that much about it. I enjoy them, but it's... Their obsession amuses me. Fair enough. But one of them brought up an interesting point that actually relates to Kawhi, which is very funny. Now, you know, Kawhi, Kawhi uh, shoe deal is with New Balance. Okay. And all the different companies, obviously Nike, you know, New Balance, Puma, whatever. Reebok, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Whatever. Adidas. They've all got their different athletes that they've got under their banner. And shoes don't necessarily sell internationally. Nike might. But, but like for a New Balance or whatever, you've got certain demographics that you tend mm-hmm. to hit better. Parts of the country or whatever the case may be. Fair enough. New Balance apparently really does well out in the East. So the, the one of the person on there made, made an interesting point. Now, I don't think that has any bearing on it, but it'd be kind of funny if it did. It'd be funny if they had the conversation. Apparently, for New Balance, like if you're New Balance, it would actually be very beneficial, more beneficial, if uh, Kawhi Leonard stayed in Toronto versus going to Los Angeles. Hmm. 
Because apparently New Balance does much better in the East than they do in the West. That's so actually, from a marketing standpoint, they'd be like, could you please sign with Toronto? Could you, uh, we'd really appreciate that. We'll just throw some extra money at you. That'd be kind of a funny thing if it turned out that New Balance actually had like a, no, 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 really, we can sell a lot of New Balance shoes in Toronto. Could you just like, we'll own Canada. Just do it. Stay where you are. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's interesting though, that, right? Like how much those types of things, especially in the NBA, I feel, the, the shoe deals play into it. They do. And the thing is, Kawhi Leonard has a new basketball shoe that they released not long ago. So from it, it's interesting because obviously, you know, he wants to be in Los Angeles or whatever, but he also is not a guy who seems to like a lot of attention. The Lakers right now are, are a shit show. You don't want to be you don't want any part of that. The Clippers might be interesting. Their their ownership is a lot more stable. They seem to have an idea of what they're trying to do. And they've got Jerry West there in the in the office. So at least they competently know what to do. But at the same time, what would happen? Like I, I can't speak for Kawhi Leonard, but what would happen if you know New Balance came to him and said, "Hey, look, you know what? Sales of our shoes have been going really well in this region here, because of uh, because of you know the team doing well and because of you being in the playoffs and whatever. We really think this is a good spot for you. And what if we offer you some more money? Yeah, because New Balance is not bound by any by the NBA salary cap is irrelevant to New Balance. Their job is to sell shoes, and, and it's not ta- it's not tampering." It has nothing to do with it. It's just them pointing out, like, you know what? Geographically, we're doing very well with you in Toronto. We like where you are. And if you don't have a moral objection to it, we can we can do some great business here. And that business works both ways. And that's just business. That's a business conversation you can have. And it might be something that goes, huh. If all things are other things are equal, that can be a thing that can tip the balance. Yeah. I'm not calling that, but I'm just saying to you, these are the kind of considerations that players today make that old players wouldn't have it's not just oh you know go over there for the life you can make a lot of money in canada and buy your house in la and go live there and go on vacation whenever you want if you've got millions and millions of dollars you can go you can live anywhere anytime and work anywhere you want and commute it's not a big deal but to each their own we'll kind of see how that plays out so i think that covers the east i think that covers the west um did you want to say anything about portland and denver i really got nothing no right now at the moment, I'm comfortable leaving that alone. For the moment being, I'll watch a little bit of these games and see. Do you have a prediction as to whether you think Toronto, Philadelphia, who's going to go through? Honestly, right now, Toronto's track record really is. Toronto's track record really tells me that they really don't get up for these big games. They really have not demonstrated a capacity for closing the door against, you know, against good teams. I don't think Philadelphia is really that good. I think they've got components. I think they can be. But I think they're also inconsistent. So basically, you've got two inconsistent teams facing off against each other in a game seven, trying to decide which one of you actually wants to advance forward. One of you has to show up and perform. Is Joel Embiid going to do like the sick Joel Embiid shtick where he just gets sick by everything and then doesn't have the energy and then runs out of gas and then doesn't play well? Will Ben Simmons not make a damn shot? If both those things happen, Toronto wins. Well, absolutely. By default. But if... um, if Toronto shows up and Kawhi Leonard is like, all right, I'm here, and he looks around and he can't find anybody around him, that's going nowhere. Re- the reality is if Siakam goes and hits – I'll put it this way. If Siakam gets 25 to 30 points, I would like their chances. Taking everything else out of context, if Siakam has 25 to 30 points, Kawhi Leonard is able to perform at a standard level, I feel good about the possibility of Toronto winning. Even if you tell me nothing else. If you tell me those two things, I feel like Toronto won. Yeah, I feel like probability-wise, like if you take all the computations out there, yeah. you know, 
let's say you're like Doctor Strange and you're in the alternate universes wow. and how many times wow. does this work? Sorry, wow. I saw I saw Endgame last night. I, 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 I gather this, yes. But, but if you, you know, you did that, uh-huh. I feel the majority of those, yeah. Toronto wins this game. Yeah, I think if those two conditions are met, I but think But I'm Toronto still not wins. convinced they will. That's that's basically my point. And another thing on that point, yeah. I am very I am a very big fan of people talking trash but then backing it up. So I don't know if you remember game 5 MB got taken out of the game. Yes. You remember this, right? Mm-hmm. And you know who was trash talking him? And doing the plane symbol? I remember seeing it, I don't Drake. remember who it was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what MB said to Drake? He very terminator-esque, he said, "I'll be back." Yeah. And guess what? Mm-hmm. He's back. I think I think someone should lock Drake in a room. Like you're not allowed to do anything. Who are you to trash talk, Drake? You, you can't fight anybody. You're not beating anybody. You hide behind. Shut up, Drake. Like who cares about Drake? Oh boy, I'm not his demographic though. Like I don't listen to his music. I don't care about the guy. If someone wants to punch him in the face, go ahead. I don't care. I don't care about Drake. Anyway, okay. So we had a nice little discussion on the NBA playoffs. I think that was good. I think it's time to move on. Let's talk about the XFL getting a new TV deal. Actually, no. Wait. I want to take a little time to talk about the XFL TV deal. Do you want the official cross-country running report? Are you yeah, ready for let's, it? Let's get the logo. All right. or the, sorry, the, the, I don't know why I said I was going to say, the for lead those in. of you listening, the logo is floating above Dave's head right now. Just envision it. Try to picture it. Let's get the lead in. Yeah, so... Which hopefully the, one day we'll have music. I, I don't know. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get our production people on it. So this is the pretentious cross-country running report with Dave Turnbull. So, I'm going to Europe this week. I want to talk about something that's never happened before. But Did you say you're going to Europe? No, I'm like with my cross country running report. Oh, I'm not personally going to Europe. I was gonna say, like, what kind of jet setting are you doing? What kind of air miles are you getting? So, go on. For the first time, there are two major European. Well, this is not the first time this, but there's two major European cups, right? The Europa League and the Champions League, both of which we have talked about previously on this program. Yes. All right. The finals are now set in the Champions League final. Tottenham is playing Liverpool which were both teams were down in the first leg and came back in a crazy fashion to win the second leg. My God. Not so much craziness in the Europa League semis, uh, but Chelsea and Arsenal both won those legs. So for the first time, both finals feature an all-England final. So you're saying CFL caliber rigging? Potentially. Ah, go on. All right. Now, the other thing I'd like to mention, which I think is is interesting and puts puts a take on this, I don't really care about the Champions League. So I hate Tottenham. If anyone knows... Soccer, they know that Arsenal and Tottenham are huge rivals, so therefore I, I hate Tottenham. You should really show more love for Tottenham. They're winning no. the Great Cup this year. Anyway, I'm cheering for Liverpool in the Champions League final, and I think Liverpool's going to win anyway. Okay. I think, and I think most people probably feel Liverpool's going to win. Okay, but you never know. It's a final one game, right? If it's rigged, you know, congratulations, Tottenham. Well, you don't want to randomly have two games and have two legs and do that nonsense with aggregate again. No, no? they don't do it for the final, except in Concacaf. Really? And you have to give me like a Jack Nicholson disturbed look on your face while you're pointing at me saying that? Really? Yes, I do. Because I, <laughs> I hate CONCACAF. I hate them so much for so many reasons. Go on. Okay. <sighs> but anyway, but the other final, so that final is in Madrid. The Europa League final is in Baku. Do you know where Baku is? Sure. I, ca- I visit frequently. I got a vacation it's home a, there. It's, it's wonderful. It's the capital of Azerbaijan. <laughs> Like I said, I got a vacation home there. And it's guess what? I should invite you sometime. You know what? The cheapest flight if I if I leave if I fly from Toronto and wanted to go to Baku, you know how cheap I can get that round trip? Mm-hmm. Four thousand ninety nine dollars. Why do you think I didn't invite you to my vacation home in Baku? Exactly. It's, Which, it's my cottage. But the best part is, even people who have nothing to do with the Europa League right now and don't give two shits about the Europa League are like, "Why the hell is the final in Baku?" Yeah. Right. And then they have this ongoing thing with Armenia where they don't really want to recognize Armenia 
And one of Arsenal's star players is Armenian. So they had to add UEFA for special consideration to make sure he would be fine and be allowed in the country. Well, you it's have to just, understand, like, look, i, I got to give you a little insight. Part of the reason that Baku had it is because, number one, they wanted to increase re- real estate values in my vacation home. You know, and it was very considerate of them. But the truth is, the second reason is that, is that Dubai was booked. You know, uh, you, they're like, I really don't want to put it in a place where the, com- you know, where the commoners can get to. But, uh, you know, but Dubai's booked. Oh, okay, fine. Baku oh. it is. Anyway. And they're only giving 6,000 tickets to each set of fans. So 6,000 to Chelsea fans, 6,000 to Arsenal fans through the team. And the rest are like, I don't know who's going to go. So well, I think even if you gave away all the tickets, you still have to get to Baku. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's an issue. It's a thing. Yeah. So anyway, there's that. But I think it's kind of cool that they're both going to be all England finals. And I just wanted to point that out. And so UEFA's messed up, but we know that. Basically, any soccer governing body is pretty much fucked. CONCACAF more so than most. But they're all screwed up. So you're saying you're not going to join me in my spinoff uh, podcast all about CONCACAF? All CONCACAF? All the time? If that actually happened, I would totally join you in that. Because it, it would be more amusing just to see you talk about soccer every week than it would be for I anything else. I would genuinely else. just make shit up. Like, I, I would make up teams that don't exist. And, I would, and people would just keep writing angry letters. You know the problem is, though? Because CONCACAF is what it is. There'd be so many people who'd be like, oh, I didn't know about that team. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm going to pick them in my pool. That's going to be great. Absolutely. I'll give all kinds of fantasy soccer advice. So, it's going to be wonderful. Anyway, so congratulations to those four teams except Tottenham. Screw you. And we shall see what happens at the end of May, beginning of June in the finals. Excitement. This has been the Pretentious Cross Country Running Report with Dave Turnbull. Look at you with your outro. All right. Very good. So now let's talk about a little XFL. All right. I got my XFL mug and everything in my hands. Which is great because all it says is it has the XFL logo and then says Dallas underneath. Because they really don't have any logos yet. No, I know. It's just that it's funnier that way. Absolutely. I prefer it that way, actually. So I talked about it a little bit during the last uh, kind of, um, you know, mini podcast episode that I did as kind of a mea culpa on uh, not having the original episode 15. But the XFL did get a new television deal. And as part of that, they ended up having uh, two main partners, really, but on four networks, which you're really looking at is you're looking at ESPN and its related networks, and you're looking at Fox, both the Fox main network and FS1. Which is impressive. It is, but uh, there's, a, there's a wrinkle on it that I want to talk about here. Okay, so bottom line, you've got, you've got, your, two, you've got your main network. So you're going to have ESPN and ABC. So those are the two networks yep. there. Which and are both then, owned by Disney. And both owned by Disney. And then you're going to have uh, Fox itself, main network, and FS1. That's kind of its kind of thing. On paper, this sounds phenomenal because in terms of exposure, you've got actually a lot more exposure than you do than you did for the AAF television package that they put together because some of it was Bleacher Report and then CBS Sports Network, which is kind of shuttled off to the side. And uh, for the XFL deal, you've got 24 of 43 games are on broadcast television. So almost half the games, period, are on broadcast TV. Which is great. Fairly readily available. Uh, I, I, I didn't predict, but I said it wouldn't surprise me if the ESPN games were carried on TSN, on one of the TSN networks for us here in this local region, because it would make sense. It, it would, would be, yeah. It would be logical, because they, they kind of work in partnership a little bit, and if they have something where they think they can get the rights, absolutely, they would do that. Now, the thing that makes this interesting is that the, the XFL is not getting any broadcast fees. Basically, like if you if you if I talk about the WWE and their and their business that they're doing with Fox, Fox is getting SmackDown. They're paying like two hundred million deal in rights fees, rights fees yeah. basically, 
And then you've got the USA Network has got Raw, and it's paying a couple hundred million dollars. Or so you're basically million. saying the money that a network would pay to the league for the rights to broadcast, to broadcast the, games. the games. That's right. So we don't know all the specifics of the arrangement, but if you're not going to give them any rights fees, that means you've only got a handful of ways this can work. One of them is maybe you split the uh, is you split the commercial revenue, basically the the money you make from sponsors. Mm-hmm. That's unlikely, but it's possible. The more likely scenario is that you basically are charging the XFL for the broadcast time. So you're basically, they're paying for their own airtime, but then they could potentially sell their own ads and then try to make their money back that way. The point is, and from what I understand, the likely likelihood is that the broadcast partners are going to cover the broadcasting costs. So basically, you know, a lot of the costs that are incurred in putting the broadcast on. Yeah. So they'll cover that, but then basically that's it. Other than that, here's your, here's your time slot. You know, we'll cover the broadcasting costs. And right now, you got to prove to us that it's a viable product. But you will pay for the airtime. And then WWE, in turn, would then sell the ads themselves to try to get their... Well, I just, sorry, I said WWE. Uh, XFL mm-hmm. will, will then sell the ads themselves. They have a mechanism for that. They have the infrastructure. They know how to do stuff like that. But it is very interesting. Like, from an exposure standpoint, it's a great television deal. From an exposure standpoint, because you've got name networks that people can find, it's it's clear. With games actually on those networks, Correct. as opposed, I mean, there are other ones that are on their subsidiaries. That's right. But on the main network, they do have games, which is key, more so than the AAF did. Yes, and from the uh, scheduling standpoint, also they they did they did actually do a little bit of a lower risk, um, a little bit of a lower risk proposition, because what they ended up doing is they ended up putting a lot of their uh, schedules in Saturday and Sunday afternoon games. Like, the Sunday ones, they do have a primetime game, but on Saturday, for example, generally, they don't really hit primetime, or if they do, it's towards the end of the game, because they've got a lot of 5 o'clock starts. So that's kind of a less risky proposition, because getting the uh, being put into the primetime slot, the network would expect more, as far as numbers, as far as... Every, and, of course, cost. Like, if you're even if you're going to pay for it and just... Technically speaking, I could go to network right now and say I want two hours at eight between eight to ten p.m. on Monday night, and for the right price they would sell it to me, but it would be a hefty price because they go, well, we can put a bunch of shows here that could get us a lot of revenue. Yeah. So if you want it, you got to pay for it and exactly. basically offset our cost. So it is interesting, and the schedule they've got is does contain, like I said, a lot of network games. So you're going to be able to see it on a lot of obvious places, and then the it would culminate on April 26, 2020, with the XFL Championship happening on ESPN at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, which is not a bad start time actually. No, and but, a, at a good again, they've they've done the same thing that the AAF did in terms of the calendar, right? They fit it in in a, a fairly good spot for them to do so. Correct. Conceptually, I don't have an issue with any of this. I will say it is a bit risky, but I'll throw in a little angle on it on the side as well. So the the, the information about the fact that they're not going to get broadcast fees or broadcast rights fees or whatever, that was a little wrinkle that wasn't available to me when I talked about it the first time. Second element of it, though, that is a little bit interesting to me, and this is a different perspective that is separate from the XFL itself, and it brings the WWE back into the picture a little bit. Mm-hmm. The WWE ratings have been falling. Not like a stone, but they've been falling consistently over time. And I know that based on what I've seen, that Fox and the other partners are getting kind of irritated with it because they're paying hundreds of millions of dollars for those rights fees for WWE. Mm-hmm. Well, part of uh, the cachet that Vince McMahon has is the success of his WWE product. More importantly, though, since WWE is a publicly traded company, right now it hasn't really impacted their bottom line at all. 
But if their uh, revenues start to fall a little bit, that's the piggy bank that is funding the XFL. Vince has already sold stock and made some money, so he's got a war chest. But if you're paying for the broadcast, that means every game is costing you money. And for a lot of the uh, stadium deals they've got, they're paying money. I think I read in one of the articles, and if I can find the article, I'll cite it in the um, show notes, as usual. One of the, I believe for the Los Angeles ones, they're paying $100,000 a game for the stadium rights. So basically, to be in the stadium, they're paying $100,000 per game. That's a lot of money. It is. But just think about that. $100,000 here. Now you've got eight cities. So you're paying in all these places. Right now, you're an unproven league. So right now, very few people are giving you money. There's money going out, but there's very little money coming in. Yeah. And where Vince had an advantage is that he is the sole owner. He is not like a Tom Dundon where he's doing it on a lark. He's doing this intentionally. He's doing it from the get-go himself. So he's funding it. But at the same time, what happens if your main business starts to suffer and you don't have access to the same amount of cash flow? All of a sudden, you can find yourself in the same position. Then you go under. Yeah. So And Vince has a lot more to lose because WB is a much bigger business and he's more concerned about his main business in the long run. Because that's his legacy. That's what he leaves to his kids and his family and whatever. This is a project that he wants to see to fruition. He wants to see it succeed. And in the long run, it would be beneficial for him to have successfully built a bulkhead somewhere else in another part of any entertainment business that isn't the WWE. He needs a winner that isn't a WWE product. So he's going to throw a lot of energy into this to try to get it done. The problem is, at the same time that he's doing this, the other product has been suffering. Right. So I'm just saying, it's, I'm not telling you to sit there and watch and pay close attention to WWE, but it is relevant what is happening financially For sure WWE, it is. to what's happening here because the money is coming from somewhere, and yes. that's WWE. So keep an eye on the wallet, which is WWE, because it's going to impact, long run-wise, the league. Yeah. It's just something to bear in mind. Just something I throw out there. I thought I'd give a little insight on that piece. Is that fair? I feel Yeah, it's good. No, I, And it, it is interesting because it's interesting how all the pieces go together. Yeah. Right? Because... Same thing, like you're set up in a way that this is you're giving it every chance to succeed, right? Provided again, the funding, they have a lot and provided of Vince keeps putting his money in, which I think he will as long as he can because he doesn't want to see it fail, right? You right want now, to see right this now, get to a second re- season. His reputation would not do well to have another high profile failure because at that point, you've basically said to the market. You are only good at one thing. That's it. I don't even want to bother doing business with you and anything else because you suck at it. Everything else you try fails. Like he genuinely has not succeeded to anything that was not WWE. His wife tried to get into Congress. Failed. But she did become part of Trump's cabinet. That's, that's, called, pay, that's called somebody handing you something. That means you didn't win shit. Like you did nothing. And, and part of, the only reason that happened was because you had a longstanding business relationship with... It's literally cronyism by its very definition. Like you really have no merit. You suck. So, but here you go. Here's, here's something for you to do. Congratulations. These entitled baby boomers. Such slackers. <laughs> you know, having shit handed to them didn't earn anything. It's awful. It's unacceptable. Unlike those hardworking millennials. Right? <laughs> uh, uh, tongue in cheek, folks. Tongue in cheek. Mostly. Anyway, anything else? Uh, any other thoughts on that, though? I thought I would give that a little background. I thought it was no, I think it's. No, I think it's important and it's relevant, and let's see what happens, right? Because yes. it's an unusual way to do things. Mm-hmm. But if it works, great. And if it doesn't, then people stop trying to create football leagues because you're not, it apparently isn't going to happen. You got the NFL, right, which is the behemoth that it is. And you have the CFL, which is the non behemoth that it is. And in North America, yes, well, I guess you have one in Mexico too, but nobody cares about that. You know, it is what it is. So if this succeeds, then great. If it doesn't, 
stop trying to create football leagues in America because apparently it's just not going to work. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a real whether people want to accept it or not. I just uh, want to say it this way. Go ahead. Unless somebody just wants to continually lose money and doesn't care, that's the only right. Then okay, maybe. Which under the right circumstances could be Vince. But the point that I'm trying to make is that this is a legitimate litmus test. So I want you to hear this part because uh, because I, I genuinely believe it. This is a litmus test to the whole idea that America loves football. You so far have not proven that. The Arena Football League has struggled at different times. Every single other league that has tried to come up. Now, you can sit there and use the excuse that, oh, well, it's not, you know, they don't have the best players. It's like, well, if it has to be the best players, then you're not telling me that you love football. You're telling me you love NFL football. Because if it's about the best players, the NFL is naturally going to have the ability with their finances to get the best. If you want to watch football, there are options out there, but you're not supporting them in the numbers that would warrant that say that you love football. It's the same way that I say large chunks of Canada, where we are, they claim to love hockey. I've been in hockey arenas that are half empty. Don't lie to me and tell me that you love hockey. Because if you love it, you love it at every level. And if you want to support it and it's available to you, then you support the local product. If you refuse to support the local product, then fine. That's okay. That means you're an NHL fan. You're not a hockey fan. It doesn't work. It's not the same thing. It's, it's a league within a sport, but it means you're not supporting the sport. This is probably the last real legitimate shot at having a spring football league because I don't think anyone else is nuts enough to go and take a shot at this. So, unfortunately, it isn't the one that I would have chosen. Obviously, we've we discussed this at length on the show. I preferred the AAF and their model. Unfortunately, they made bad business deals. They picked the wrong people to back them, and they didn't have the right funding in the background. Vince is not a good person. He's not a great guy. He's a good businessman. He is a great marketer. But... Even with those resources at his disposal and the infrastructure, because obviously I have my cup. I never got my AAF swag because they were never able to figure out how to ship it to Canada or anywhere else outside of the United States. I have it, though. Vince knows how to make money on merch. The thing is, can you sell enough merch to offset the likely low ticket sales startup? I don't know how many tickets they're going to sell. I genu- In those markets especially, in Seattle and Dallas and those places, St. Louis... We're going to see because a lot of people are not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And right now, the track record of those leagues is abysmal. You've got no reason to believe for one second that this is going to be any better off than the other ones. But it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The reason why I said it was a litmus test is because if you don't support it and then it doesn't work and then you say, oh, see, I told you so, you don't really have a leg to stand on because you're part of the reason it didn't work. Yeah. You actually have to attend games. You have to watch it. You have to you know, buy merch. I'm not forcing you to. It's your money. But I'm saying don't not participate and then act like you knew it wasn't going to work when you didn't participate because it's people like you that prevented it from working. Just so we're clear. And that's that's the honest truth about that. We'll still talk about the XFL as more things happen. Right now they're still do right now most of their announcements are still pertaining to oh we hired, you know, general manager or coach. I don't really care enough to talk about those at length. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting once they finally do unveil logos though. I'd be interested in seeing, you know, team nicknames and logos and that might be a little bit interesting once that, once that happens. Or once they start maybe doing a draft and start figuring out what some of these teams look like. Maybe they pick up some players from different places. Then we can talk about that a little bit more. So we'll get, we'll get back to the XFL once we have a little bit more to speak on. I know there's already a lot, of, um, a lot of good people that were doing the AF thing that have now started to shift their focus to the XFL. We'll support them and shout them out where, uh, where it happens, where we start to see them uh, crop up. Yeah, absolutely we will. Sounds good. So I think that's uh, the main stuff I want to talk about. Do you want to talk about what we're looking forward to? Yeah, let's do it. All right, uh, let's take it home. Okay, Go ahead. so first thing I'm looking forward to, Raptors game seven. Actually, no, maybe not. Maybe I'm not looking forward to that. 
I'm just hoping. Avert your eyes! Uh, you know, but there's a couple Game 7s. So we got the Raptors Game 7, and we also have the Portland-Denver Game 7 coming up. So yes. I think, you know, anytime there's a Game 7, I think it's it's worth watching, and that's good. I am also looking forward to tomorrow, which is Sunday, is the final day in the Premier League, so the English Premier League soccer. And we'll see what happens there. Uh, Manchester City currently leads the title race by one point. So if they don't, if they win tomorrow, they win the league. If they don't and Liverpool wins, then Liverpool wins the league. That's really the only thing to really still pay attention to in terms of, unless you care whether your team finishes, you know, eight or ninth, which means nothing. But in terms of the championship race, we still have one. So that's kind of exciting. And I'm also looking forward to Vladimir Rowe Jr. eventually hitting a home run in the major leagues. It may not happen this week, but I'm going to say that it is, and I'm looking forward to it. That's exciting. No later than, you know, July 31st. I'm optimistic. So anyway, uh, as far as that's concerned, similarly, well, n- actually not similarly at all, I'll watch the I'll watch the, the basketball games because that'll be interesting, but I'm also going to be watching, like, tonight that we're, we're recording on Saturday morning, early afternoon, but tonight we're going to have St. Louis and San Jose playing game one. That'll be interesting. Then we'll have the Carolina-Boston where basically we'll just boo both sides. Uh, that'll be game one happening there on Sunday. And then, you know, kind of we go along, we'll, we'll check out the game, we'll check out the game sevens in the NBA. One thing that I'm still kind of debating on, I might, I might pull the trigger and just get it done, is that tonight on Saturday is going to be UFC 237, headlined by Rose Namajunas and Jessica Andrade. I totally mispronounced that. I just thought it would be kind of fun to say it as Andrade. But regardless, the point is, the card's actually pretty good, because uh, Anderson Silva's on it, and there's a lot of... Uh, and I, be, I believe Diego Alves. I don't have it in front of me. But there are there are some compelling fights on there. And that means that uh, probably we're going to be firing up the old hashtag. Regardless, we're going to fire up the hashtag multi-screen life because you've got a lot of the prelims. And the prelims are available on, you know, network TV and different places. So that should be interesting. I think uh, for the most part coming up into this week, it'll be a lot of that. I think it'll be a lot of the playoffs, both hockey and basketball. And I will try to get in a little bit more baseball because I do want to kind of warm myself up. But we are heading into mid, mid-May, mid so I think now is the time to start kind of observing. I want to kind of see which hot starts continue. But before I can, before I uh, go off the air with this today, I did want to mention, it wasn't a news and notes because it, it actually slipped my mind at first and then I remembered. Shout out to Albert Pujols on his 2000th career RBI, putting him in elite company with 600 home runs and 2000 RBIs and still over a 300 career batting average. I seriously retire at the end of the season unless... There's really no reason to stick around unless you really just want money. But that puts him in elite company. Depending on which uh, where you subscribe, Ilya Sports Bureau has him as the third player all time to have the 2,000 RBIs. Otherwise, you could call, you could consider him the fifth or sixth if you take baseball reference into account, including Cap Benson and Babe Ruth, which we discussed previously. Yes. Uh, and other thing, I, I just want to, sh- again, piggyback on that. Uh, the fan who got the ball mm-hmm. offered to give it back to Albert Pujols, and his response was, send it to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I like that. That's classy. The truth, the truth is, Albert Pujols has no need for that ball. It's cool. And if it's in the Hall of Fame, he'll see it. Because uh, because the day will come, Albert Pujols will be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. He, he has earned his spot some time ago. At this point, it's icing on the cake. That's why I say he's got the 3,000 hits. He's got the 600 home runs. He's got the 2,000 RBIs. Just he, retire. He's got a 300 career batting average. I would leave with the 300 career batting average because that's a feather in your cap. Mickey Mantle regretted not retiring before, before his average dipped below 300. It is. It puts you in a special echelon where you're already in a special echelon. It's like a special echelon plus a little extra. Yeah. I would just. You've already got it all. You were the best hitter of a generation. Take it. I mean, you've you got said, the championships. You've, you've got, got it. You've got everything. You've, there's nothing left to take. You've got MVPs. You got it all. 
So I would say that. That would be my, uh, hopefully, hopefully, this the end of this season will be happy trails for Albert Pujols because I'd like to see him go out in what's been overall a fairly successful season, all things considered. I agree. I, I think it's worked out. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. So that's what we'll leave you with. Thank you again. Thank you as always for listening. Quick, before we head off, shameless plugs. You can watch a static image of our faces and the title of this episode on YouTube on the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. You can just type that in and you'll find it. Also, we're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts for audio. And we also have Instagram, at Unnecessary Podcast. Twitter is Unnecessary underscore pod. Usually we'll put links to the show or if I come up with something witty on Twitter, I'll put it on there. Uh, our site is unnecessarypod.podbean.com. Otherwise, you can find us in those places. We thank you as always for listening, and we will catch you next time.